Sunday, the day that uh, we read in the scripture, you know, that we're moving into this season, uh, pretty much the tenet of our faith, that Jesus was crucified, that he was uh, buried, and that he was resurrected. And on this day in the scripture, as Jesus rode into town, he was being praised and worshipped on Palm Sunday. And just a few short days later, those same people uh, turned their faith a different direction and turned their backs on our Savior. But it's still a day of celebration because as He comes in our life, we recognize who He really is. Amen? Well, it's a joy to be with you today, our good and wonderful old-time lifelong friends, Pastor Ryan and, and Jennifer. Uh, I, the stories I could tell, but I won't because he was pretty kind to me. Uh, so I won't tell many. And now raising their family here with you, you know, I, I see Colby. Uh, when I was, when Colby was probably about 10 or 11 years old, uh, it's about the time, you know how you always pick on kids? You, just as an adult, you pick on them and mess with them about their hair or whatever. And you just kind of pick on kids and when Colby was about 10 is when I decided I was going to stop doing that because I knew I was getting older and he was getting bigger. <laughs> and I'm glad that I did, Colby. It's so, I'm, I'm so proud of you and what you're accomplishing and uh, both of the boys, uh, I mean all three of the boys, the other two boys, and uh, for what Pastor Ryan and Jen, I hope you realize just what you got when you got this family as pastoring your church. I hope you realize that. Good to be with all of our friends, of course, Mike and Tracy, the Lokitas, uh, uh, Reagan and them. Uh, the, the, that's what I call them, Jerry and Lokita. That was funny. On the way here, I was, I said something, and I said the Lapitas, and I went, no, it's Jerry and Lapita, and then I just said it out loud. So there we go. That's what happens when you get to be my age. But you can get away with it, and you have a good excuse, so it works pretty well as well. <laughs> So wonderful to be here. I'm not sure why I'm here. I know Pastor Renee was supposed to be here, but there was a little bit of a scheduling conflict with worship leaders and those kind of things. And uh, so I have some very large shoes to fill when it comes to anointing. There was a time when I would have said some very large hair to fill, uh, but that was back in the 80s and 90s. But uh, uh, I, I know she wishes that she could have been here, but you're stuck with me instead this morning. And I promise you by 1.30, we'll be out of here I mean, it's, excuse me, team. No, I promise you, I'm hungrier than that. So, I didn't get my chocolate glazed donut this morning because I didn't get here in time. So, uh, anyway, joy to be with you today. I want to share a few minutes with you. This is a, 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 a message that I did many years ago. I've added to the message, just like I've added to myself over the past few years, but I've added to this message. And I want to talk to you this morning about a, a message that I call. The power of a good name. Okay, the power of a good name. So here's what we're going to start with. We're going to play a little game. Some of you that, uh, that may be uh, a little more seasoned, actually you'll be surprised how many of you know what I'm about to do or you'll recognize some of these things. But we're going to play a little game and I just wanted you to shout out the answer if you know it. These were some advertising slogans. How, how many of you remember things go better with Coke? How about, I can't believe I ate the whole thing, or plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Anybody remember that? Alka-Seltzer, very good. 
How about the Uncola? Seven up, very good. Now, this is a real old one. How about a little dabble, do ya? Whoa, Brill Crane. Very quick, right out here. How about reach out and touch someone? AT&T. How about, how about, please don't squeeze the... Now, some of you, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. None of these advertising slogans have been used in well over 30 years. Many of them, 40 years. Some of you that knew the answer to that aren't even 40 years old. The power of a good name. There's something about a brand. There's something about name recognition that brings an instant thought to our minds even when we don't know it. As Pastor Ryan mentioned a while ago, I'm a, I'm a motorcycle guy. I'm a Harley guy and have been for many years. Harley Davidson has done something with probably out even trying, but they've done something with a name recognition that many people will, will uh, uh, wear or buy Harley Davidson things, and they've never ridden a motorcycle in their lives. It's, a, it's this mystique, this, this mysterious thing that Harley has, has been able to do. And so uh, uh, pretty much wherever I go, I don't buy a lot of Harley stuff. People tend to, to buy me a lot of things when you have kids and friends and everything else. But even when I do, uh, I have a lot of Harley Davidson things, shirts. My phone case is a Harley Davidson, says uh, HD on it. I have a, a ton of Harley Davidson things. It's a name recognition. It's a brand recognition that if you see it, you know it. The power of a good name. I'm going to ask you to turn in Proverbs 22, verse 1. And we'll start there. I've got a ton of scriptures to read today. And uh, when we started using the New Triumph app here just a few weeks ago, this is my first time to preach since doing that. And so Pastor Jen asked for notes, and I went, holy cow, I used to be able to preach from an outline. Like I could just put one word there, and I could tell it would, re it would spark in my mind, and I would remember what I was going to say. And, and, and so I would just use one or two words or maybe part of a sentence in an outline. Not so much anymore. I pretty much write out everything that I'm going to say. I look back at some of my old notes from sermons and I go, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that word is. I, so I, I, had, I had to, uh, to, to try to condense some things. And so uh, uh, I'm going to be using a lot of scripture today. Not all that are on, in the notes or, or on your app. But I hope that if you take notes, you'll understand where I'm going with this. Proverbs 22, verse 1. The Bible says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. The writer says this, A good name is better than precious ointment. You see, the name that your parents chose for you uh, the name we, we have we have two great kids and and another kid and um, uh, <laughs> no not really but the names that we chose for those kids were by design it's not because it was a popular name or because we liked the sound of it we chose the name of our children for specific reasons for specific things and it's amazing to watch 
their lives grow into their name, into the, into the name that we chose for them and the reason that we chose it. It's an amazing thing to watch. Shakespeare said in the play, Romeo and Juliet, uh, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. And in the story of Romeo and Juliet, of course, the Montagues and the Capulets were, were at war with each other, but Romeo and Juliet, of course, fell in love. But, but we know that they're doomed from the start because of their family situation. And in this line, Shakespeare uh, uh, has a line for, for Juliet because she's telling Romeo that a name it means nothing. It's just an artificial, meaningless, made-up thing. But the person she loves, who's called Montague, it's not the Montague name, it's the person that she loves. And Romeo, out of his passion, how many of you know men tend to make bad decisions sometimes when women are trying to convince them of things? Think Adam and Eve, and we'll go from there. Um, Romeo rejects his entire family, all the vows, all of his heritage, all of his legacy, all of his inheritance, and and he he denies his father, and and Juliet says, the line in the play says, be new baptized, be new baptized as her lover. And and then, so that one short line that we read, what's in a name, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. You know, we tell our kids, we tell ourselves, uh, we, we see people growing up, and there's a phrase that we use sometimes, and it's, they're going to make a name for themselves. Go out and make a name for yourself. Uh, what it means, obviously, is, is to become well-known or, or perhaps even famous or rich. Be respected by a lot of people for doing something in particular. In the business world, we try to make a name for ourselves. In the sports world, we see our athletes, uh, they're, they're making a name for themselves. Sometimes they're remembered for really good things. Some people are remembered for really not so good things. In the entertainment world, people are trying to make a name for themselves. What we're talking about is not really the name itself. It's not the arrangement of the letters that make up the name. It's what the name stands for. It's what the name represents. It's the memories or the emotion that when you hear that name for what it evokes and and what it stirs up in you. In the movie Gladiator, uh, when when, uh, Russell Crowe's character, uh, he he was uh, a man of royalty and is cast down as a slave, essentially, and he's thrown into the, into the ring, and he and his fellow gladiators destroy everything, and he's, he's covered in blood, and there are heaps of bodies and all around him, and, and the emperor at the time in the movie says to him, what is your name? And Russell Crowe's character says, I am gladiator. He doesn't say his name. He says, I am gladiator. He says what he represents, what he just got through doing, the, 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 uh, the, the power of that name and, and the strength that it gives him. What Who he was didn't matter. It's what he was, not who he was. What we're talking about, of course, when you say a good name, 
it, it's, we're talking about reputation. You know, you and I, we really can't escape who we are. The word reputation means being held in good opinion or bad opinion by others. The dictionary says it this way, a good name, the credit, honor, or character which is derived from a favorable, favorable public opinion or esteem. And then another part of the definition says character by report in a good or a bad sense. So in other words, our reputation is built on, on who we are. Not by a one-time act necessarily, but who we are on a consistent basis. So uh, it's something that everyone has. Obviously, we all have a name, but our reputation is what I'm talking about today. Everyone has it, and none of us can escape it. Reputation is, is, is something that sums up who we really are, whether we want that or not. When, when our kids were young and I would drop them off at, at school every day, the last thing I would say, we would pray and I would, I would tell them to have a good day. And as they were stepping out of the car, the last thing I would say to them every day of their lives is remember who you are. Because our name in our town, it, 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 it should mean something. Not because we were highly esteemed or more important than anything else, but I wanted, I wanted our community and still do, and anywhere I go, when they hear my name or their name, I want people to think a certain way. I want people to, to think good thoughts. So I would say to my kids, remember who you are. Because here's the thing about a reputation. You can't deny it. You can't buy it, and you can't inherit it. And we can't change it without changing ourselves. Because reputation, see, it, it's not what we say we are. It's not what we think of ourselves, but rather that how we are known to others. So my question to you, or, or my statement to you, is for you to ask yourselves this question. What do people think when they hear my name? Think about that to yourself just for a moment. When in the public or in a setting and my name is mentioned, not my name, your name, what, what is the first thought that comes to people's mind? What do people think when they hear our name? So powerful is a good name. So powerful is our reputation that it precedes us. Have you ever heard your reputation precedes you? In other words, I heard what kind of person you were before you even physically got here. Now, sometimes that can be a bad thing as well, but it's usually only the bad, uh, uh, the, the, the bad reputations are the one that tend to be gossiped about. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 29. Paul says this, he says, uh, welcome him with Christian love and with great joy. And give him the honor that people like him deserve. The people like, that, that, that people like him deserve. Well, who's he talking about? Welcome who? When he says welcome him. And why would we welcome him this way? Well, if we back up just a little bit to verse 25, what we see is the scripture says this. But I think that it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. My brother 
co-worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. So it's a, Paul's talking about Epaphroditus who, who the church had sent to Paul to care for him, to minister to him. And then in verse 30, here's the why. So there's the who and here's the why. Verse 30 says, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for what you could not do for me. Again, Paul talking to the church. So the who is Epaphroditus. The why is because he risked his life to serve Paul. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, uh, It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but I did so in private to those who were of reputation. So people that, had, had, that, that, that could be trusted, people that had lived their lives in such a way that, that he could share the, the, the vision that he had had with them. You see, folks, our name is to be built, it's to be defended, and it's to be cherished. Because when we spend our lives, if we spend our time making our name into what we want it to be, we've got to defend that and we've got to cherish that. Well, how do we even build a good name? We're talking about the power of a good name. How do we build that name? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? And, and the best way I could say it, and I'll read a scripture here, is it's we build and defend our reputation by the way we live our lives. Not by what we say, but the way we live our lives, by maintaining an honorable life. Again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. My slam to Donald Trump in case you were wondering. In verse 9, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we make it our goal to please him. If, if we want to be ministers, if we want to be leaders at Triumph Church here in Angleton, if we want to be leaders in the community and represent Christ, listen to what 1 Timothy says in, verses, in, in chapter 3, verse 1 and following. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, that could be deacon or bishop or it could be a, a, a a leader of any part. It could be part of the dream team. It could be in the children's ministry. If you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, whoever desires that, Timothy says they desire a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well. And see that his children obey him. I could go on and on and on. The last line says, he must have a good reputation with outsiders, those outside the church. And then listen to this. He says, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So what builds a good name? Oh, I don't know. Those long forgotten things like honesty, faith integrity, character, loyalty. You remember that, right? I'm, I'm putting together some notes for a sermon that I've been working on for a while, but I'm kind of bringing it together around a co called Whatever Happened to Loyalty? 
whatever happened to loyalty? You know, uh, Pastor Ryan was mentioning how far we go back and uh, uh, watching him grow up since he was 13 years old and I was in my early 20s, I guess. And uh, um, I've watched the loyalty of this man, which is why he stands in this place today, by the way, in case you didn't know. But I've watched people come and go. I've watched leaders who were so committed to the cause of Christ fall away. I've watched people who were so committed to the work that God had called them to, 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 uh, to, to be a part of the ministry at the time of, of Randy and Renee Clark. I've watched so many people commit their lives and then run away as soon as the wind blew. I've watched so many people say, I am with you. I am plugged in. Whatever I can do. And then one little situation happens and you don't see them anymore. Whatever happened to things like integrity and and character and loyalty. But I commend this precious couple and this family and and what they mean in our lives just as friends. Aside from the spiritual impact they've had on our lives. But loyalty. Loyalty drives so deep in me. It, it means so much to me because I know what it means when people are disloyal to me. And I see the pain that it causes when people are disloyal. Oh, we're with you. Oh, absolutely. Whatever it takes. Well, how, could you do this? Well, no, we can't do that. Well, could, you, could you do this? Well, we're going to be out of town. Well, could you do this? Well, we're not ready to do that much. Whatever happened to loyalty? You see, loyalty is one of the things that builds a good name. Now, in, in my line of work, what I do professionally, I have a Series 7, a Series 7 General Securities license. Now, th- that authority, the exam that I took, gave me authority that was passed on to me by an organization called FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Also, through the National Association of Securities Dealers, an automated quotation, the NASDAQ. Also, the New York Stock Exchange. I have a Series 7 license. I have a Series 63 license. That it was an exam that I took that covered state law, state securities law. I have a Series 65 license, and that covers investment advisor law. So what these licenses give me is permission and authority to do what I do professionally. But you know what? None of my clients care what license I have. <laughs> they, they don't care about that. In my, rep, in, my, uh, in my line of work, as in pretty much any line of work, it's my name. It's my reputation. When somebody refers someone to me and says my name, that's what determines the success or a failure of a business or the longevity in business. It's not the designations. It's not the licenses. It's not those things. It's the name. Sometimes we spend a great part of our lives trying to get the designation. How many people have spent their lives trying to get into ministry? They want to be in ministry. They want that name. They want that title. But they may not necessarily want to take the steps to earn the title. We want that bestowed on us. We want that given to us. But our reputation is what describes our lives. The decisions that we make, 
The decisions that you make, the decisions that I make on a day-to-day basis should be determined somewhat with our reputation or our name in mind. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, listen to this. This is loving and wonderful. As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink. Happy Palm Sunday. So a little foolishness spoils great wisdom. You see, a good reputation built over a lifetime can be ruined in a day. It can be ruined in an hour. It can be ruined with one bad decision. Something that took a lifetime to build can be ruined in a fleeting moment because of a bad decision. Benjamin Franklin said this. I love this quote. It says, glass, china, and reputation are easily cracked and never mended well. Glass, china, and reputation are easily cracked and never mended well. I love the quote because while a reputation once broken, it can be repaired. It may be repaired over time, but the world will always keep their eye on where the crack was. The, the people that know what you did will always look to that little piece of your life to say, well, yeah, I don't know. And they're always, they're, they're always somewhat distracted by the crack in the reputation. There are those who, who may say, oh, I don't care what other, what other people think of me. I don't care what people think. I'm going to do what I want into my life. I have the right to live however I want to. Well, yeah, I guess that's true here in America. I guess that is true, but, you know, to disregard what the world thinks of us, it's not only arrogant, but it's shameless. Paul said again in Corinthians, First Corinthians 8 and 9, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, one translation, so I have the right to live however I want to. Yes, you do. But Paul says, Be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. You see, your reputation will follow you far beyond every victory. Every victory that you win, every battle that you conquer, your reputation will go farther than that. And and the sooner we change in our lives and begin uh, working on reputation and building and defending reputation, the more lasting that reputation will be. Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter. There was a change in their name. Saul's a good name. Simon's a good name. But God said, you've changed, and so I'm transforming you from this to this. Uh, Solomon, uh, obviously we we still call him the the wisest man that ever ever lived, the greatest and wisest of all kings. And he had a, a name that was very similar to godliness and great wisdom. It's what he's remembered for today. But if you really read on about Solomon's life, what we find is his name eventually became, uh, his name became associated with things, uh, with bad things eventually because his life became so saturated with the excesses of wealth and, and the fleshly indulgence that the Bible says that even Solomon himself began to long for death. The wisest man, now his reputation still goes on as the wisest man, but read about his life. Read about what he became. 
and read about where he ended up. You see, our name, folks, it's a very valuable thing. D.L. Moody said, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of me. When you marry someone, you marry a reputation. When you choose a business partner, you choose a reputation. When you choose a church, this church is, is, is uh, so amazing to me as I've looked back over or just over the time that, that we've known of, of what was Trinity and now Triumph Church. And, and when it first began to lay out that Pastors Ryan and Jen would be here, I thought, oh, my God, how perfect, how horrible it is first. Because now they're moving. They're not going to be there. We're not going to see them every week. I, I'm not going to be able to listen to him mess with me about whatever he messes with me about, which is pretty much everything. I'm not going to be able to be there to hear Pastor Jen's calm, quiet, wonderful voice uh, or to see these boys. I'm not going to be able to, so it was a horrible thing. But it was a wonderful thing but because I knew that they were going to be able to build a name in this community. I knew that they were going to build a name for the kingdom of God. That Triumph Church would be, would, would be here in Angleton and, and it would make a difference in the lives of people like it's making a difference in your lives right now. When you choose this church, you're choosing the reputation of not only pastors Ryan and Jen, but all that this church stands for and has been over the years and there's so many great things ahead be a part of a good name be a part of the good reputation of this place there's power in the name there's power in the name of a church in the name of your there's power in that and the power of a good name can surpass can overcome any obstacle but there's another name there's a name that's above all other names. <laughs> There's a name that the scripture calls a strong and mighty tower. In, in Psalms 8, 1, Psalm 8.1, it says, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Nothing has the, nothing has the power to save. There's nothing like that name. I'm going to breeze through some scripture here as, as I I've looked at the different names of God. Now, we know there is God, but you know in Scripture, He's given different attributes all through Scripture. And I want you to listen to some of these names, because in Exodus, He was called Jehovah Medekashem, which means the Lord thy sanctifier. In Psalm, Jehovah Roy, meaning the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Shammah in Ezekiel, meaning the Lord who is present. Jehovah Rapha in Exodus, meaning the Lord our healer. Jehovah Sidkenu in Jeremiah, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, which is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Gmolah, which is the, the God of recompense. Jehovah Elyon, which is the Most High. Jehovah El Roy, uh, the strong one who sees. El Shaddai, Jehovah El Shaddai, the God of the mountains or God Almighty. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the 
name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Jesus said, Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. In verse 13, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Well, let me tell you something. It's not the name Jesus. There are a lot of people named Jesus. There are a a lot of people with those five letters. It's not the name Jesus. It was the name of Jesus. It's it's who he is, it's what he is, it's what he did, and it's what he does. It's not the letters, it's the name of him. The songwriter says, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Andre Crouch said, there's just something about that name. When we say the name, it's not it's not the name Jesus, it's the name of Jesus and all that that entails. I want people to, to, to call on the name of Jesus and all that it means. All of those names of God that I just mentioned. All of the things that Jesus is to us, our Savior, our Healer, our Provider, our Deliverer, our Victor, our Conqueror, our Salvation. I want, I, 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 when I call on the name of Jesus... I'm not just saying a name. I'm saying all that that name is and all that that name represents. The power of a good name. So the scripture tells us that we are to guard and defend and build our name, our reputation. But it's not Kurt Ellender. It's not the name. It's what that name represents. When it's Jesus, it's not that name, it's the name of what Jesus represents. And if I need Jesus in my life, which guess what, I do, I call on what that name represents to me. If I need encouragement, I call on the name of Jesus who is the master encourager. If I need healing in my body, which I do on a regular basis, mostly because of stupid mistakes that I made in my life, of crazy things that I've done. But I call on the name of Jesus. Just recently, I I went to get an eye exam, and uh, uh, they saw some things in one of my eyes, and my pressure was very, very high. And the optometrist said, well, it's unusual. Glaucoma would normally be in two eyes. So when I was about six years old, this was not my fault. Okay, well, it was kind of my fault because I was... But this one was not necessarily my fault. When I was about six, six or seven years old, we were having a dirt clog war. You know how crawfish build a dirt clog and make perfect. I mean, we're and we're just wailing on each other, and and you know from a distance. So you and a kid named Joey Simon, who I hate to this day, not really, I don't really hate him, came up kind of behind me, and I'm throwing this way, and I turn, and he's standing about six feet from me, and he throws with full blast, and one of the dirt clogs hits me in my left eye. I don't remember much about that except the blood and the pain and the, the doctors talking about possibly losing my eye. And I remember the doctor telling my, my mother that it looked as if a cat had scratched my cornea. 
Uh, and so there was talk of me losing my eye. Now, this was back, you know, uh, when technology was, thank God that, that I, I didn't lose my eye then. I got to wear an eye patch, arr, like a pirate, you know, so it was kind of cool. But now 50 years later, <laughs> I'm paying a little bit of a price for that. So the doctor says, well, you know, you know how doctors talk. Don't you love the way doctors talk? Well, you could die. But, you know, there's just... Uh, so the, the doctor's saying, well, you know, this pressure is very high. We need to get this pressure down. You've got a lot of nerve damage. And I'm going, what? I went to get my eyes checked. Well, yeah, you know, and if we don't, well, there's going to maybe, the, the drops don't work. We're going to have to do surgery. And, you know, if that doesn't work, we're going to have to do this and this. You could lose the vision in your eye. And I'm going, can I just go back to work? Can I just, can I forget this all ever happened? So I have been calling on the name of Jesus, my healer, as you can imagine, because I want to see things for the rest of my life. I want to see my wife. I want to see my kids. I want to see my grandkids and their kids. I, I want to see things. And so it's just one of those alarming things, someone who's never had any other you know, physical condition other than, like I said, the ones that I've caused. But I'm calling on the name of Jesus, my healer, or Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I'm calling on the name and all that it represents because the scripture tells me that that's what the name is. If you need financial blessing in your life, you need to call on Jehovah, Nisi, the provider, your provider. You need provision and abundance and blessing in your life. If you need uh, whatever it is, I, I mean, pick something. There is a name of God in the Word of God that applies to your need. So if I'm going to call on that good name, I think it's only fitting and fair that I should be trying to make my own good name. Not trying to be equal to or anything with God. I'm saying, God, if you're going to do that for me, perhaps I should try to do this for you. Some of the problem that we get into with that, though, however, is God hasn't done that yet. So then we think, oh, well, I must not be doing it right here. And so I must try harder to get God to move on my behalf. So I, must, I, I need to work harder. I need to try harder. It's not about trying harder. It's not about giving more. It's not about those things. God's not looking at what you're doing. God's looking at what you are. And what you are is what will produce what you are doing. Today, I want you to know that there is power in your good name. But there's power available to you in the name of God. Whatever that need is, whatever your situation is, if it's relational, if it's health-wise, if it's your vision, uh, that can either be physical or that can be spiritual. If it's financial, whatever your need is, there is a name of God, and it's a good name. And there's power in that good name. Let me pray for you. Father, today we thank you for your scripture. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your good name. And today we call on you. God, today we call on the name of God. We call on the name of Jesus. That you are meeting the needs of the people of this community, of this region, of this church. 
We declare your goodness and your mercy. God, give us wisdom. Give us the strength. Give us the knowledge of what it takes to build a good name, to make a difference in this community. We declare your goodness. We declare your mercy. We declare a good name over Angleton, Texas and over Triumph Church this day. We bless you today, God.